Hello and welcome to the Susquehanna County Conservation District's Conservation Corner. I'm Don Hibbert. And I'm Courtney Bronze. And each week we bring you conservation topics and events from around the Endless Mountains. Well, it's the beginning of September and that means it's time to cover another Pennsylvania state symbol. This month we're discussing my favorite tree, the Eastern Hemlock, otherwise known as Suga Canadensis. So in 1931, Pennsylvania State Representative Alexander R. Wheeler, or also known as Major Wheeler of Endeavor, introduced a bill to designate the hemlock as the official tree of the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania. When settlers first arrived here, the area was mostly forested, and the forest provided the logs for them to build homes, fuel for the winter, materials for household items, and food in the form of nuts and berries. So as more and more settlers came to the area for the timber industry, lumber kind of became the cash crop of Pennsylvania, I guess you could call it. And in 1899, it was reported that two-thirds of this cash crop was hemlock. As you can imagine, all of the economic gains from timber harvest took its toll on forests in the Commonwealth. So in 1901, Doctor of Medicine, Botanist, Environmentalist, and Conservationist, Dr. Joseph Trimble Rothrock became the Commissioner of Forestry, and he spearheaded efforts to create state forests in Pennsylvania. He then earned the title Father of Pennsylvania Forestry, and in 1896 he actually wrote, If Pennsylvanians were to select one tree as characteristic of our state, nothing would be better than the hemlock. And on June 22, 1931, Governor Gifford Pinchot signed Wheeler's state tree bill, and the hemlock became Pennsylvania's official state tree. There you go. That's pretty cool. Um, as I mentioned before, the hemlock's my favorite tree, and some of it has to do with the habitat. So I'll just go back to my childhood. I was able to explore the woods around my parents' house. And my uncle had about 60 acres of property. And um, on that 60 acres was a hemlock grove down near a creek. And it, just, it was a really magical place. Um, you know, like shrouded in uh, just hemlocks. And there was nothing else growing there. The creek running through it. And um, it was cool to see in every season, you know, during the winter snow covered some of the branches uh just made it an extra special place and it's partly why i chose the career i did so as i mentioned uh the habitat these trees are mostly found in cool coves but they can definitely present themselves on rocky outcroppings too and uh, you'll find them mostly on north facing slopes uh, otherwise they're just intermixed in deciduous trees they're a shade-tolerant tree, and they're able to live in fairly acidic soil. They actually have a shallow root system, and it, that actually leaves them susceptible to drought and windfall. And I mentioned hemlock stands. So once a couple start to grow in one area, uh, they pretty much push out the other species. It makes the soil acidic, as I mentioned, and it discourages any other plants from growing there so that's why you find those bigger stands so as far as diseases and pests are concerned uh, you probably heard of the hemlock woolly adelgid these are the tiny insects that originated 
from Asia, and they arrived in the United States approximately 50 years ago. And after accidentally being introduced in Virginia, their presence is identified by a cottony-looking egg. Uh, they'll form masses on the underside of the hemlock needles in the trees, and you'll notice the yellowing of the needles, and they'll eventually lose the needles, or they'll lose their vigor. The insect feeds on nutrient-rich fluid from the needles, and it winds up killing the tree. So because the eastern hemlocks thrive in shaded, cool stream valleys and hollows, so it also means some decline for another species, which we at least mentioned on the show before, and that's the brook trout. So they live in notably cold water, and uh, they really rely on the eastern hemlock to shade those streams, keep them cool, and uh, the demise of the hemlock means potentially the demise of the brook trout as well. So how can you stop the hemlock woolly adelgid? Uh, there's actually a couple of methods. There's chemical suppression, which can be used for larger stands. And that method involves insecticidal formulations that can last many years, making a really cost-effective treatment. Biocontrol is also another option. Um, it's being used in forest situations with vigorous trees with accessible lower branches that are infested with hemlock woolly adelgid. So DCNR actually released predatory beetles at several hemlock sites in the state, and these beetles feed solely on hemlock woolly adelgid. So follow-up surveys and studies are still in the very early stages, but the potential for meaningful control using this method looks pretty promising. And in stands where most of the hemlocks have already died, Silvicultural control is another option, and this would mean replacing the hemlocks with other evergreens with thick canopies, such as white pine or even rhododendron, and this could kind of help fill the void and shade streams as well. Good, so we've kind of hit on some of the benefits already, but we'll just go back to the importance of hemlock trees for water temperature, and they're really just as important for water quality. So the dense foliage that they create actually intercepts precipitation and prevents nutrient runoff and sedimentation. And research has shown that streams impacted by HWA have a higher concentration of micronutrients such as chlorine and copper. Uh, hemlocks also help provide water to watersheds. They conversely take up extra water, making flood events a lot less likely. They transpire slower and at a more constant rate than other hardwood species. So that makes more water available to the watershed during the growing season. So that really works out. And then the hemlock foliage, it's really preferred by species to browse by whitetail. Over 90 species of bird, including the black-throated green warbler, the Acadian flycatcher, so they both rely on hemlock trees for habitat and breeding. Some species of warbler only nest in hemlocks. So if you like hiking, there's actually a really nice trail through an old growth hemlock forest right here in Susquehanna County. And it's the Hemlock Trail at Salt Springs State Park. 
The trail climbs steeply up the hill into a hemlock forest, and it follows the east rim of the gorge. And there's actually some really nice overlooks of the falls up there as well. So I've hiked it. Um, if you get a chance, I definitely recommend checking it out. Yeah, it's a great place. Cook Forest State Park, a national natural landmark in Cooksburg, Pennsylvania, is said to possess the finest stand of tall aged eastern white pine and eastern hemlocks north of the Great Smoky Mountains. And the Champion Pennsylvania hemlock is also found there on the Heffron Run Trail. A little bit of a drive from here, but definitely an awesome place to check out if you're ever out that way. And one final fact. So I don't know if you've ever tried it, but there's such a thing as uh, pine needle tea. Really? Yeah. So it actually contains vitamin C. So if you're feeling deficient in vitamin C, go out, grab a cup of nice pine needle tea and boost your immune system and uh, as I said that can be made from hemlock trees and it was actually used by the Iroquois Indians for centuries so it goes back a ways if they used it, it likely works I would say it's pretty cool yeah so all right well moving on uh, we do have a couple events that we'd like to mention today uh, and they're at Salt Spring State Park so it is fall, we're getting close to it. And uh, on Sunday, September 13th, from 1 to 3 p.m., they have a program called Monarch Madness. Fall's the time to plan for monarch butterfly habitats. So there'll be a short presentation followed by hands-on seed preparation, which you can take home and plant and prepare for your monarch butterfly habitat. All materials are provided and if you'd like to bring gloves, you're more than welcome to if you don't want to get your hands dirty. So the fee for that is $5. Members are free. So also at Salt Springs State Park on Saturday, September 26th from 10 a.m. till noon, there'll be an archery for beginners class. And the program's based on the National Archery in the Schools program. They provide the equipment and targets. And it's taught by a certified instructor, Diane Hollyworth. So all ages are welcome. The fee is $5 per person, $15 per family. All right, well, I guess that does it for today's show. If you have any questions related to our shows, you can contact the Conservation District by calling 570-782-2105. If you missed a portion of today's show, you can go to our website, www.suscondistrict.org and find our conservation corner page with past episodes, links to information about past episodes, and a contact form where you can reach out and you can ask questions or make comments about the show. You can even suggest ideas for future shows. You have been listening to the Susquehanna County Conservation District's Conservation Corner. I'm Courtney Bronze. And I'm Don Hibbard saying enjoy the outdoors.